Hello everyone, Sam here and welcome to a very special mini-series of the Pint of Science podcast, all about some of the incredible work being done around stem cell technologies. This episode is being made in collaboration with BitBio, a company on the cutting edge of mass-producing human cells for medical therapeutic use. Their founder is Dr Mark Cotter, an academic neurosurgeon and biochemist at the University of Cambridge, or more accurately these days, a bioengineer. His research specialises in quite literally reprogramming cells and coding them to perform certain activities by activating combinations of genes to switch them from one purpose to another. BitBio's technology allows the production of these cells in quantities large enough that it could revolutionise medical treatments for everything from cancer to spinal and brain injuries. And he's joining us today. So pull up a seat, pour a drink of your choice, and join us for a pint of science with Dr. Mark Cotter. So, Mark, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to the Pint of Science podcast. First off, tell us a little bit in your own words about your research and and what it is you do on a day-to-day basis. So I'm very interested um, in the concept of regenerative medicine, and in particular, um, using this approach um, for neurological conditions and, and spinal cord injuries. And this has led um, us down a path of discovery, um, trying to harness the, the power of stem cells and to turn them into medicines. It's actually a very difficult thing to control uh, these cells. And um, we needed to come up with a better solution to instruct them to generate the cells that you actually want to treat um, a disease. And this is a process called differentiation. And what we did is we looked at it from a different way, looking at biology more like a, like a software. Okay. We adopted an approach that's called cell reprogramming to allow us to very efficiently derive the cells that patients need. So your background, I think I'm right in saying, is in neurosurgery. How does one go from being a neurosurgeon to a stem cell researcher? What's the crossover there? Well, I I did my PhD uh, in Robin Franklin's lab, and that was sort of really one of the first labs looking into neurobiology of stem cells. And then I had the huge fortune to be recruited uh, to the Cambridge Stem Cell Institute uh, under Roger Peterson, one of the founders of, of stem cell biology. I was in a very particular um, spot because not only I, I was able to use human stem cells to study their behavior, um, I was also training as a neurosurgeon, which enabled me to get samples um, from, from biopsies. That led uh, to a discovery um, that really changed my way of thinking uh, of, of science. So we were studying a particular cell type of the brain called oligodendrocytes. And I was comparing the uh, cells that I got from surgical samples uh, with the cells that everyone was commonly using, which were taken from animals. And it turned out that there's such a big difference that I decided to focus on human biology, which brought us to the field of cell reprogramming. So now I would say I'm probably more, more of a synthetic biologist. Ah. So when you talk about cell reprogramming, what does that entail? What is cell reprogramming and how does you do it? <laughs> yes, it's really um, a, a very sort of novel concept. Although 
It started off in the 1980s uh, with a paper of a group around Weintraub, Lassa, and Davis. This was in the heydays of uh, molecular biology. And uh, what they discovered was a gene, which they called MyoD, um, that was able to change a skin cell into a muscle cell. Uh, and since then, the field was pretty much dormant until about 2007, when Shinya Yamanaka showed that you can reprogram a skin cell in, back into a stem cell. And that's, of course, led to the Nobel Prize in uh, 2012, which he shared with uh, John Gurdon. The consequence of that is that you can now create stem cells from every uh, human without having to go back to, uh, to any embryos. And what this means is that um, we had to rethink our concept of uh, cellular identity. So what makes a cell a particular cell type? So that leads to a completely new way of looking at biology, where we think about cells being defined by programs that run in a cell. These are called gene regulatory networks. And it's really a software code, so to speak, um, that controls these programs and creates a particular identity. Reprogram is taking this knowledge and applying it in order to induce a new cell type. So essentially coding a new program into a cell that changes the cell. How do you do this? Is it because... Uh... I might be getting confused here. Is it this similar to, to what they call CRISPR, this gene editing technique, or is, something, is this something completely different? I think it takes us a little bit beyond CRISPR. So CRISPR is really a tool to edit the DNA, and the DNA is sort of the, like the hard drive of a cell, um, which contains all the information. But the programs of a cell um, are only a subset of the genes that are contained in the DNA. And so cell reprogramming is all about switching on the right genes, um, the right programs um, that define what the cell is in its current phase. Don't forget, every cell in the human body has the same DNA, so shares the same genes. And the difference between a brain cell and, say, a skin cell is which of these genes are active. So it's kind of almost in a... In a sense, and this is probably a terrible analogy, it's like having billions of computers in your body and what you're doing is asking them to run a certain program. So they've all got the same programs loaded on them and you're just asking one of them to be loaded up. That's absolutely right. And those programs are, of course, determined by what's in the computer, which is in the DNA. Um, and really what we try to do to create uh, a new cell type is to run a different program. Cell reprogramming itself has been quite difficult, uh, as a matter of fact, and quite inefficient. And what we were able to do in my um, academic lab uh, at the University of Cambridge was um, to create a control system that allows us to jumpstart the programs of a cell very effectively. Uh, we call this OptiOX. And this is, really allows us to take full control of a cell's identity and has made this pro uh, the, the process of cell reprogramming incredibly robust and therefore scalable. And how does 
something like that work? Is it uh, is it electronic? Is it done by kind of chemical signs? How how do you switch on and off these programs, and how do you do it reliably? Well, that's a very good question. We're looking at cells, therefore we need to uh, really control um, the genetics of the cell, um, the genes itself. And so we're taking biological tools. The big problem that we had to overcome is a process called gene silencing. It's really uh, the defense system of a cell. So cells are constantly under attack. The virus that we're, uh, that we're facing at the moment um, is one of these examples where cells get hijacked by foreign genetic information. And so cells have, and in particular uh, stem cells, have developed an immune system, we could say, that, that detects um, genetic information that shouldn't be in the cell. And so it uses mechanisms that you can call gene silencing to get rid of that genetic information, to just shut it down. So what we had to do is find a way to trick the cell to accept new genetic information, a new program. And so what we've done is we've created this control system called OptoX that we can insert in cells. And that allows us to really take control uh, of the biology uh, of, of the cell and switch on any program really that we want. Okay. How is this? You talk about viruses being able to do this and a biological toolkit. Is it actually kind of almost a, a virus that inserts kind of an, an inert friendly virus, if you like, that inserts the information in? Or is that just completely not how it works at all? It's a really good question. So we're not uh, using viruses. Um, we're really using modern genetic engineering tools, um, such as CRISPRs, that are much more precise and allow very specific insertions into the genome. So it must be really quite complicated finding a way of getting this, of kind of hiding this information inside a cell to transform it. Is that is that one of the big challenges, would you say? Is that where the challenges lie? I think you, you hit the nail on the spot. This is really the core technology that we've developed. And this might sound like a really obvious question, but what are the practical implications of this for, for neurosurgery and of where you came from? So... I think as a neurosurgeon, you um, see a lot of harm, very difficult conditions, um, patients that, that fare fairly poorly. And you're stuck with very blunt tools, essentially the, the tools of a surgeon. That means that um, what you can actually do is often quite limited. There's a huge need to introduce novel technologies um, such as cell therapies, uh, to tackle conditions like cancers of the brain or elsewhere in the body, or promote regeneration after injuries, for example, or strokes. And therefore, for me, it was the obvious thing to, to look into, into this area to see whether we can you know, extend the repertoire uh, of medicine. And what have the challenges been so far? Are we, I suppose, <laughs> another way of phrasing that question is, how close are we to that? <laughs> and what problems are we coming across? <laughs> so I think uh, um, you, you're asking really, how far are we developing these therapies? And of course, in the context of um, the, this uh, uh, era, or the, the, the promise of regenerative medicine that uh, was very prominent about uh, 10, 15 years ago, 
Now, creating human cells is really quite difficult. And I think that's been the bottleneck uh, so far. But there's been some um, really astonishing progress that has been made, um, not by engineering new cells, but actually taking patient cells and engineering them to treat, for example, cancer. So these therapies are called Mm -hmm. CAR T cells. And uh, I think there are just a few now that have been approved by the FDA and also the UK regulators. And what they were able to show is that you can um, cure cancers with a cell transplant, which is, of course, a completely different way of, of, of dealing with cancer. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? So we now know that uh, you know, if, if we consider cells as drugs, intelligent drugs, um, this will have a, an incredible impact uh, on medicine, not only for cancer, but also you know, for other um, degenerative conditions, for for, for injuries, etc. Coming back to this bottleneck, being able to you know create these cells from stem cells has been really difficult because uh, we were trying to repeat what happens uh, during development, and that's just very complex. Now, Big Bang has taken a completely different approach, the reprogramming approach um, that we've discussed um, just now. And that has opened up the possibility of really creating cells uh, with very high precision at at industrial scale. So we're hoping to move uh, towards uh, a clinical program in the very near future. You're close to going into your first uh, clinical trials. Is there anything you can tell us about that? I mean, if you can't, that's fine. It just adds an element of mystery. But <laughs> but if you can, that'd be fantastic. At this point in time, it's a bit too early um, to tell you what uh, exactly we're, we're planning. But uh, I hope in the not-too-distant future, I'll be able um, to share that. Fantastic. And when you talk about uh, industrial scales, what kind of scales are we talking about here? Because I don't know the difference as a, as a layperson necessarily yeah. between uh, between a thousand cells being a lot and, and you can grow everything you need from a thousand cells, are we talking millions and are we talking a month or <laughs> two weeks? Give me some numbers, throw some numbers at me, Mark. Okay. So um, for a cell <laughs> therapy, you, you want to have um, in the range of billions of cells, millions to billions of cells, but, uh, oh, wow. okay. but of course that's for one individual. So we really need to push the envelope here. And that's really been extremely difficult. What's possible with reprogramming, I think, has no limit. So we have um, a sister company that has adopted the technology that uh, I've developed in the lab for the application of cultured meat. Um, So that's something very different, of course, but uh, it just shows that um, taking this new fresh approach is able to really create significant quantities of, of, of cells. And how long would it take you to grow enough of a cell culture to to treat an individual? Without technology, it only takes a few days, really. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because you talk about individual cancers being targeted by the patient's own cells and kind of reprogrammed cells. How quickly and effectively is it possible to you know, create a cell culture for one person and then start creating a cell culture for for a different person. Is that something that you're you're able to do? So this is really um, the question about uh, which cells are you going to use? Uh, and um, there's really three different paradigms. The first paradigm is taking cells from the patient, actually. And of course, that's going to be a very uh, expensive process, at least at the moment, because you have to harvest the cells, you've got 
change themselves, then you have to engineer them, and then you bring them back to the, to the patient. The second paradigm that's possible is called allogeneic, where you really follow what transplant surgeons have done now for, for many decades. And essentially, you're using someone else's cells, um, which you can bank, by the way, uh, and, and uh, expand and, and QC, uh, and try and get as much as a, of, a, of, a, of a match as possible. Uh, and, and the third uh, technology that's just emerged, um, and it's really very much in the infancy, is called universal cells. So these are cells that um, you can engineer in such a way that the immune system doesn't recognize them. Uh, and so you could have potentially a single cell that uh, is able to be used across many different individuals. That's almost like a stem cell squared, isn't it? It's a stem cell that can be anything in anyone. Uh, yes, correct. I think this is very exciting. Um, there are some questions that obviously still need to be resolved. But I can see um, really looking 10, 15 years into the future, I can see either a very efficient approach of creating cells from individuals uh, which is commoditized and can be done at a price point where it works, or really very sophisticated universal cell technology. And I think it's necessary um, if we want to bring these new treatments uh, into areas of need, not only cancer, but outside of cancer, and also, of course, uh, into, the, into sort of the developing world. What are the major frustrations and obstacles in the field now? Mm-hmm. What gets you banging your head against a wall on a daily basis? So we're in a quite unique position because I do think that we have solved these major bottlenecks. Um, but if you step back um, and just look at what the field's currently encountering, it's really a manufacturing issue. Taking cells from individuals uh, isn't really scalable and uh, very, very expensive. Uh, And so this is where cell therapies are stuck at the moment. Hmm. Taking a different approach using stem cells has been extremely difficult. So we've known about stem cells now for 20 years, uh, and still there there isn't any medicine out there. And that just shows how difficult it is to control these stem cells. BigBio, on the other hand, now has adopted this cell reprogramming approach And so we were able to tackle the main bottlenecks, which are really the precision by which you manufacture those cells and consistency, making sure that you get the same quality over and over and um, scalability is really um, the ability to grow sufficient numbers so that you can actually generate treatments. Fantastic. And uh, this is a possibly a slightly out there question, but is there anything surprising that we don't yet understand or uh, don't yet quite grasp the basics of in stem cell science? Are there any big surprises at the moment still? Big questions? So um, I think there's always lots that we don't know. Actually, we uh, we always will only know uh, a small portion, uh, I think, of biology. But uh, our focus really the synthetic approach, uh, cell reprogramming. It's really looking at this with a completely different and new lens. So whilst we're using cells, we're trying to understand the programs in a cell, trying, you know, using data science to deconvolute how they sort of, which other genes are involved in those and um, 
really trying to pivot biology into an, in an engineering science. And here we're at the infancy, but we can already see the power of this approach uh, in the number of cells that we were able to generate over the last few years. Fantastic. I mean, I was going to ask just how close to the cutting edge of science the industry, and particularly BitBio, is at the moment. Uh, so I would say that the entire industry that's moving towards cell therapies are really on the cutting edge. And the differentiator between BitBio and maybe what others are doing is that we're taking a different view on biology where we're trying to really sort of take a soft uh, and engineering approach uh, versus you know, following a more traditional uh, path and view of biology. So I think this is a fairly a fairly general question now, but obviously you've come from a background of neurosurgery, so at some point <laughs> all of this has been has been new to you. So um, let me just uh, I've done my PhD before I became a neurosurgeon, so I was involved in research much before I actually turned um, into a neurosurgeon. Ah, okay, and uh, and it's not possible otherwise. So you can't become a neurosurgeon and then do this. Sorry, that's that's uh, that's my confusion there. No, 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 it's just an opaque world. I mean, if you could amaze people, amaze the audience with with one fact about the world of stem cells and stem cell research, is there any kind of single thing that amazes you every day? Yeah, I think there are really two things that um, I feel change the world, and I still think are a miracle. And the first thing is this concept of it being able to take any cell in the body and programming back uh, to a stem cell. That's just such a game changer. It's going to have such ramifications in the decades uh, ahead, maybe even centuries ahead, because it not only brings skin cells or blood cells back into a stem cell, it also removes the age of a cell and makes and, and turns it back to an embryonic very early stage cell. Oh, I didn't realize it de-ages them as well. Yeah, so it sort of removes... Oh, that's fascinating. It, it not only changes the cell back to a stem cell, it also removes all the aging associated changes and problems that a cell might have experienced. Um, and then the second thing that um, you know gets me out of bed every day is the idea that you can reverse engineer this process so that we can use programming to generate pretty much any cell type that we want. And not only that, we can also start thinking about engineering cells that uh, have functions that they normally don't have. So enhance them in a particular way that uh, could be meaningful for, for treating disease. And that's not science fiction because these cell therapies that have been recently developed uh, to tackle cancer have already shown that this is possible. They insert a CAR receptor into an immune cell that's called a T cell. And this CAR receptor is able to recognize the cancer so that um, the T cell is activated and starts killing it. So it just shows that this reprogramming paradigm is part of the sort of broader thing that's happening at the moment, which is that biology is transitioning to engineering. And I think we're at the forefront of that. Mark, thank you so much for that. That was fascinating and a really interesting look into, into what BitBio is, is doing. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank 
Thank you so much, Dr. Mark Cotter, founder of BitBio, and best of luck with the clinical studies. If you're interested in learning more about the company, you can find them at www.bit.bio. Nice and easy to remember. Meanwhile, the Pint of Science Festival will run online this year from the 17th to the 20th of May in the UK. Find out more at www.pintofscience.co.uk. If you're listening from elsewhere in the world, go to pintofscience.com rather than .co.uk for more information on what's happening in your country. And we'll see you again soon.